0: I'm going to uh, continue our series on on-ramps uh, on to the freeway of God's grace today, and, and this is actually my last talk on this subject, not, not my last talk, but my last talk on the subject. Uh, Brenda may be talking on one more subject uh, related to the, to the means of grace But what I want to do in the course of the next half hour is to talk with you just a little bit about, in summary form, of the different things we've covered over the last several weeks, and also point out a very important dynamic that we mustn't miss, and that is that the gifts of God's grace, the means of God's grace, and God's grace are not a, a, a supernatural power in and of itself, but they... These, these graces are personally shepherded into us by Jesus, our good shepherd. And that's the theme for today, grace and the good shepherd. We um, use the word grace in our culture in all kinds of different ways, don't we? You ever had a loan payment that you were glad that you had a grace period? Perhaps you've heard of a politician that has fallen from grace. You watched a ballet dancer and said, wow, she's there's such a grace, or an or a ice skater, such grace about that. Perhaps you've prayed a prayer before supper and you've called it, let's say, grace. Do you know of any churches by the name of grace? I have a friend that In high school, I went to a church called Grace Lutheran Church. I thought that was a good name for a church. Some some girls' names are Grace. How many here know of someone named Grace? Yeah, quite a few of us, yeah. My uh, son and daughter-in-law, John and Megan, and their family live on a street called Gracie's, Gracie's Way. And I, th- I think of that as prophetic for their life because there's only like three houses on the whole street. So they live on Gracie's way, <laughs> the way that they live in their life. I just, I just declare God's grace and favor to them. We um, use grace in all kinds of different ways, but we want to, to focus in our series on the New Testament definition of grace, which is not God's favor per se, but God's undeserved favor. And when we're talking about grace, we're talking about the favor of God that only flows to us because we don't deserve it. If we think we deserve it, not grace. If we think we don't deserve us, deserve it, that's grace. Anyone qualify? If you feel like you don't deserve it, you qualify. So do I. My goodness, there's—it's like unraveling some kind of yarn thing or rug that's messed up. you just the more you pull out it, the more more it comes out. When we're talking about means of grace, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church over the years has talked about seven sacraments, and really that's not enough. The uh, the reformers only had two—just baptism and communion—but When you look at the Bible, I wonder if you'd agree with me that over the course of these weeks, we've discovered that there's so many portals to God's God's, uh, grace. We've talked about quite a few of them. We're going to mention some of them in review today. But I thought some areas we did talk about is worship is a means of grace, isn't it? Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. If you're not born again, that's a means of grace. In fact, at the end of this talk, we're going to give you a chance to do that. If if your spirit's dead and you want it to come alive, you want God's grace to say, Lazarus, come forth to you, to your spirit. Let there be light to your spirit. And you know, when we think about calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, the word saved, so, 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 uh, you know, it involves deliverance and healing and coming to wholeness. Not just getting into heaven, not just getting born from above, but through the course of our life, our greatest prayer and most effective prayer is the prayer that Bob prayed for his son, help, help God. That kind of calling on the name of the Lord, God finds irresistible and responds with his grace. It's a means of grace. I did a celebration of life service for, for Adele and Cindy and Stacy's. Uh, Dad, I sub for uh, for Jack. Um, Jack out of Shady Cove Assembly. Bacon. Say it one more time. Bacon, Bacon yeah. Thank you, David. <laughs> Jack Bacon. He he was sick, couldn't couldn't do the service because uh, their father um, has been part of that church for all or many many years. But I heard so many testimonies of people coming to Christ, and we shared those uh, at the, out of that church, out of that ministry. And afterwards, I don't know, I don't know how you, it is with you. I, with me, every time that a friend or loved one goes to heaven, I am personally confronted with my own future death if Christ doesn't come back before I go, which is always our hope, isn't it? But whenever someone passes away, it's like, yep, right in front of me now it's going to happen it's real (laughs) and a 13 year old young man I was starting to leave and it was like he was almost like he'd been thinking about it and he needed to chase me down he chased me down and said I'm supposed to talk to you I, I just need to talk to you about something about God and I said well is it about your own salvation have are you sure of your eternal destiny and he said no 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 I'm not and I want to be I want to be so it wasn't even a every head bowed, every eye closed sort of dynamic. It was I was walking away, and he came running after me, and wanted to get right with God. Thirteen year old and said he was going to contact one of the relatives that he felt close to for follow up. So calling on the name of the Lord to be saved really works, doesn't it? It's one of the means of grace. Um, so grace and the Good Shepherd, Good Shepherd Jesus. My first and only talking point for this talk is going to appear on the screen right now, and it's this. We have a very good shepherd compassionately guiding us through every moment of our entire life journey. We have a very good shepherd compassionately guiding us through every moment of our entire, of our entire life journey. Shepherding is something that Jesus takes very, very seriously. So much so that even though some people are especially gifted in a fivefold ministry way of shepherd, in all the leadership gifts of apostle, prophet, pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, there is an infusion by Jesus of His personality trait, His character trait of shepherding or pastoral care infused into every single one of those gifts in fact peter talking to elders in first peter talking to all the elders he's writing to every elder that ever reads the book of first peter no matter what your leadership gifting or calling is peter the apostle peter says shepherd the flock of god jesus takes shepherding seriously paul calling the Ephesian elders aside at Miletus to give them a talk about leadership qualities. Five-fold ministry gifts. One this, one that, one some apostles, some prophets, whatever it is. But there is infused, he says, shepherd the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Why? Because permeated through every leadership anointing, there must be a full welcoming of a shepherding dynamic. If not, we do not have a Christ-like ministry. And there are some sadnesses related to that, if, people, if leaders don't step up. I am hesitant to ever criticize the church, because it's the apple of God's eye, and we're the blood-bought ones, and we're called to treat others with mercy, but if you were to look up Mars Hill, Seattle, Washington, you would see that this was an amazing church, 12,000 people in actual attendance, probably 20,000 people called it their church home, plus dozens of satellite churches all over America. Uh, was, was completely disintegrated within a couple of years because their, their primary leader and their team were running roughshod over people almost in a, um, in a, in a way where they felt like uh, entitled because who they were to run roughshod over people and it ultimately crashed in on them and that church doesn't exist anymore. That's a huge indictment. I want to tell you folks something. Don't ever minimize in terms of your own leadership place, and we're all called to leaders in our, in our extended family and in, and in some one way or another. Don't ever minimize because Jesus Christ takes very, very seriously shepherding. It's his shepherding partnering with us in our shepherding, but it is Jesus Christ shepherding that is happening. Jesus is the good shepherd. I, I was actually a, sh- a shepherd of a sheep. One time, I was about 10 years old on our farm up in Washugo. My dad brought home a little lamb. And I'd forgotten the name. You know, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, but I couldn't. And I know my sheep know my, my name and I know their name. And I can't, for the life of me, I couldn't remember that sheep's name. So David contacted uh, my sister and she reminded us that, yeah, they, that sheep had a name. Its name was Lammy. <laughs> my dad brought home this lamb. And I don't remember much about it because we didn't have the lamb that long. I won't go into that story. We didn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I did feel, along with my, my brother and my two sisters, a profound sense of desiring to care for Lammy. We put Lammy in the wood box in our utility room, took the wood out, put the lamb in there as a box there. And we fed Lammy out of a bottle, of special warm milk that we, my mom warmed up. And we took care. We talked nice to Lammy. We we were we were, Lammy got sick. We cared for Lammy. We loved Lammy. It was, it, flowed, it flowed very spontaneously from our little hearts in our care for Lammy. And you know, thinking back about that put a smile in my heart, my face, because I know that Jesus Christ. It's not just a matter of Him. You know, reluctantly going through the motions of caring for us because he has to, because he died for us, and, you know, we, we believed in him, so man, we're a burden to him now. It's not that at all. If that's your image of God, it really does need to be shattered. The first commandment is don't have false images of God. Jesus said, You want to know what the Father's lo- like? He's like me, and I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. You know, here's, the, here's our anchor verse for today. Jesus said, in John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. So, Jesus expresses his love for us. He says in uh, John ten eleven, just before that verse. We don't have that, but I, I mean, it's, he's echoing it in the verse that we put up on the, over, on, the, on the screen. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I wouldn't have given my life for our lamb. I'm not even <laughs> sure I'd give my life for you if you want not know the truth. Might. <laughs> well, let's, let's hope I could or would. But Jesus did, and he expresses love that way. There's several ways that we know that Jesus loves us. Remember the Sunday school song? You know, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so, because the Bible tells us so we know Jesus loves us. We know Jesus loves us when we see the love of Jesus in someone else's actions and countenance and attitude towards us are people that are filled with the spirit of jesus i know jesus loves me partly because you you guys are nice to me like that keep doing that okay uh we know jesus loves us because the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts we feel love for god because he supernaturally imparted that to us to love him with his own love he puts in our hearts But supremely, we know that Jesus loves us because He gave His life for us. And it's fascinating this verse that I read to you in John 10:11, when it says the Good Shepherd gives His life for the sheep. We we most often think, well, He's anticipating dying on the cross, and that's part of it. But He doesn't say will give. He says gives, present continuous tense in the Greek. So Jesus has one obsession when he was on this earth to serve and to give his life to serve and to love to the point of even dying. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's in his DNA, it's in his it's in his literally in his blood to shepherd you. It's a profound obsession with him. That's why he wants leaders to be good shepherds in the anointing of the spirit because he wants his people to be shepherded by himself. It fulfills his identity. It's what he lives for even out of heaven. Even in heaven is what he lives for, shepherding his people, present tense. This phrase, John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I'd like you to put that up there. It's there, okay. So let's read it together, just to reinforce it together, shall we? Let's read it out loud together. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. Let's consider that for a moment. Let's consider the phrase, I am. The Greek word is ego, ego. Amy. Now, if you wanted to say, I am, I am hungry, I am going to town, I am preaching, you would say, Amy. This is an odd use. It's unusual, extremely unusual to say, Ego, Amy. You've ever, remember the word ego? It's from this word, Ego, a, Ego. It's in Greek, I. Literally, it means, I myself am. I myself am. In other words, in my essence, this is who I am. Ego eimi. In the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, it's the same word that's used when God says to Moses, Moses asking him, who shall I say sent? Me. To rescue God's people out of Egypt. Ego eimi. I myself am who I am. Jesus is using the same phrase. He does it seven times in the gospel of John, number of perfection. John does that on purpose. It's, got, it's John implying strongly, stating in symbolic form, clearly, actually not implying, clearly saying Jesus affirms his deity in this statement. I myself am, and he's saying something about deity. We must see God as a good shepherd. Turn to the person next to you and say, you must see God as a good shepherd. Thank you for doing that. Those, what's wrong with the others that didn't say that? <laughs> He's your good shepherd, too. Ego me. Okay? Now, with regard to the graces, the gifts of the the gifts, uh, portals to to God's grace, the, the on-ramps to God's grace. I think it's pretty easy to be overwhelmed it's like a child at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. And Karl Barth, you'll remember, I've said this before, uh, a German theologian says our whole Christian life is like a child playing in the forest with new discoveries and a child at Chris, on Christmas Eve opening up the first fruits of the... Of the presents. And I, I know you've had experiences with children at Christmas where they have all these presents and they don't know which one to focus on because there are so many. They might spend three seconds on this one and three seconds on that one and they just kind of get anxious because they're just going to just go crazy with all these. Where do you start with God's, God's graces? I remember when my kids were little, I would pull one aside with one present and say, let's just focus on this one for now. And you know, that's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't just say, well, here they are. Do with them what you want. He, Jesus Christ, all of your life is coming to you through Jesus Christ. There's, you, you're not going to be tested above what you're able because Jesus is filtering a lot of stuff out using angels and help that way. The Bible says in the Psalms, our times are in his hands. All of my life is coming to me through Jesus. Every single thing is coming to me through Jesus, including the, the on-ramps to God's grace, the means of God's grace. They are to be appreciated and enjoyed over the course of our lives, revisited one at a time. Not all the presents all at once, one at a time, to be savored and cherished and delighted in with our personal Jesus right there with us, using that means of grace to bless us in the moment. Sometimes I feel like the dog we had in uh, Astoria, uh, part Malmute, part wolf, big dog, Jim and Michelle would remember. Dog's name was Kitty. <laughs> and uh, take Kitty for a walk. Kitty loved the sand dunes that were just a few minutes walk from our house, and the the uh, tall grass around the sand dunes. And we'd throw a stick, and then go hide behind one of the sand dunes. Kitty would take about five minutes to go tilt. tilt she finally found us. That was always so fun. But to take Kitty for a walk, she worked really hard. She didn't have to. She pulled against the leash so hard, and everybody made all the jokes walking through the main street of Warrington there. Only one street, really, main street in Warrenton, A few side streets. But They'd say, oh, I see your dog's walking you today. <laughs> you know, it was always a lot of work. Kitty worked way harder than she needed to to go for a walk. She thought that because she was working so hard, that was the reason why she was getting victory in the walk. But she could have relaxed and just let me guide her in the walk. You know, and the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And sometimes I think we focus way too much on work out your own salvation with fear and trembling instead of for it is God who's working in you both to will his good pleasure. Do you want to do God's good pleasure? It's because God put that will that God stirred that will in you. Do you have a grace, as Jeremiah preached on so well the the other Sunday? Do you know that there's a grace to do his good pleasure in the Holy Spirit? We can step into it. We can start the ignition, and then the engine will surge. We've got to start it, though, in faith, childlike faith. And then there's the powers present for everything. Uh, he gives life to our mortal bodies in that way. So here's a good quote from me. Let Jesus control your walk through his pile of grace gifts. Let's talk about a few of the ones we've, we've already talked about. I think about the grace gift or the means of grace of communion. When I was in a liberal theology, mainline denominational church as a, in my young childhood, communion meant nothing to me. When I came to Christ and was part of a non-denominational fellowship, communion, and I got saved, <laughs> helped. Commun- communion was a remembering with my intellectual thinking, something that Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. But I'll never forget Jesus personally shepherding me in a guardhouse in Bellingham. It was in Ferndale, Washington. It's north of Bellingham. Mobile oil refinery plant. I was guarding, protecting the mobile oil refinery while I was doing some studies from uh, Regent College up in Vancouver, B.C. And I was reading a book for a course on worship in the church, expressing all kinds of different ways the church has worshipped over the centuries and in different denominations, different ways. And there was a chapter on communion. And it opened up the scriptures to me about communion in a way where I never went back. So I have communion available every, every Sunday for us. Now it's because I... It's not like... It magically turns into the body and blood of Christ. That's not what the Bible teaches. But it's way more than just a cognitive memory. It is a portal for you and for me, when we have childlike faith for it, to actually enter into an experience supernaturally of being time transcendent, present. It's as if we're standing there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the disciple, at the foot of the cross. And We're right there watching the blood flow, washing away all of our sins, past, present, and future. It's a a supernaturally blessed experience of God to experience grace from him in that moment. I talked about communion. Steve Philo talked about repentance, you'll remember. Never forget that story, Steve, of you trying to get through the front door with all your baggage and you couldn't get through it. You had to let go of the baggage. You had to repent of whole, having all this baggage before you could go through the door to your flight to freedom. It's a great illustration. It's repentance as a means of grace. David and Miguel and Marty all preach so well on supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think of Paul Yongi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea for so many years, passed away in recent days. Went to heaven. But even when he was pastoring this church, that had at the time 50,000 small groups. Put your mind around that. He humbly asked God, God, I want more gifts of the spirit. I especially want to prophesy. He started calling on God. And because he called on God for the gift of prophecy to be more full in his life, he started entering into that. And... The gifts of the Spirit are portals of God's grace for us. They taught on that so well. We can revisit any of these on at our website. I'll never forget when my grandfather was baptized in, the, in his 80s. I got to baptize him. And that was Jesus leading Paul Youngi Cho to receive the uh, gifts of the Spirit. It's time, Paul. I know you're a mega pastor of the biggest church in the world, but you and I need to do some business with... Uh, the gifts, my grandfather time to get baptized, Leonard okay <laughs> Jesus is leading him that isn 't to give you an excuse to wait till you 're eighty to be baptized but but just to know that there is a a leading that of God in our lives that way marriage is a is a we talked about marriage being a uh, a means of God's grace. We talked about singleness being a means of God's grace. You know, we have over 40 single adults in our fellowship and many more watching on TV every, uh, every Sunday. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you guys for fully celebrating the charisma, the anointing of singleness with deep friend relationships, deep close personal friend relationships, and fully giving yourself to God to serve God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in the season this season of your life, whether it's singleness till you go to heaven or just for a time. And I think of covenant. Anthony preached so well on covenant and practices what he preaches, declaring the covenants of God. Big banner in Anthony and Alyssa's house. Um, you are blessed when you come in and you are blessed when you go out that declaration of covenant. Daily devotions, Stephen's fifth. Jesus led him into a daily devotions dynamic where there's a full experience of grace through that. Jeremiah uh, preached on faith in the spirit. We talked about that just now. And there was a a, uh, guy watching Jeremiah's Jeremiah's, uh, talk the next Sunday, who just happened to be the guy that sold him the cookies. <laughs> and he saw his cookies up there on the... He was just channel surfing. He saw the cookies up there on the pulpit. He had to watch Jeremiah preach the rest of his service because he wanted to see his cookies. <laughs> God's so, such a trickster, isn't he? <laughs> Leadership. Just to say this about leadership in our church, our job is, our team is deeply committed in social settings, personal settings, group settings, small group, preachings. Our singular goal is to, for you to maximize your potential in God. That's what we want to do with you, all of us. It's our singular goal here at New Song. Let's stand up. you'd like to be saved today getting start in the means of grace don't delay it one more day you don't want to go through eternity knowing that you'd miss the chance i'm just going to invite you not to pray with me right now but just to call on jesus to save you and then tell a christian friend that you respect soon what you did let's have all of us put our hands on our heart right now and I just want to say thank you, Good Shepherd, because you are awesome beyond words. All of our life is coming to us through you, Jesus. You continue to rock our worlds. We love you. Everybody said amen, amen. and amen. I'd like some of our leaders to come up. We're going to pray uh, for healing for a young man, a little boy that's been in trouble recently. Otherwise, everybody else, have a great day. We love you. Jack Bourget will be teaching Marty's class for everybody in Marty's class, prophetic class.